Now, an interview with Larry Amaros. If you don't know his name, not my fault. Just know that many stand-up comedians and sit-down authors do. He has written crates of the jokes and smart-ass lines they either say or write or claim. Here we go, Larry Amaros. So, Larry, how did you start in the old days to be a joke writer? Um... Believe it or not, I took a comedy writing class years ago. Um, a guy named Dick Lord, who used to work for the Catskills, taught us. Uh, you know, a friend of mine in college, he and I decided to take this course. And we'd always had, you know, we were always pretty funny. And it just went, took off from there. So back in those days, um, comedians would buy like individual jokes. So I just like write jokes and I sent stuff to Joan Rivers and a couple other people. And they just start buying jokes, you know, and it was. It's so much better than working. <laughs> okay, in the I I understand that. Is that supposed to be a joke? Forget it. Okay, so no, were no. we were we funnier than were we funnier than in the days of the Marx Brothers and Bob Hope? We're not as funny now, are we? I think it's I think it's very different. I mean, the thing that I noticed is there's a lack of performance skills. You know, it used to be you were putting on a show, you were entertaining people. And now they just seem to kind of wander around in dirty clothes being ironic. I don't, I don't know, quite, you know, what happened to punchlines? You know, to no, me, it underst- always set up on punchlines. I, I understand that. But I was married to a comedian, so I know the difference. Are we dirtier now than we used to be using certain words that we never were able to use before? Or are we not able to use the words? I don't know. The language has changed. Well, the language, you know, it went through a phase where I think it, it got very, very dirty. And, and look, it, there's a difference between, you know, dirty and naughty and bawdy. But the language is kind of, you know, if you need if you need dirty language to make the joke work, it's probably not a very good joke. Okay, but I don't understand a lot of the stuff. Were you ever bleeped the stuff that you wrote? If you did it on television, did they ever bleep you? No, not on TV. I get bleeped, believe it or not, on Facebook a lot. Um, where, you know, I got bleeped. I wrote a little thing. Um, I can't remember what the, the joke was. Um, something about how I took I took half of Viagra and I wound up going to bed with a midget. You know, because I can That's funny. I thought okay. so. And they wrote back, midget is hate speech. Midget is what? They call it hate speech. Oh, my God. Oh, oh, okay, okay. All right, then there was another time I was responding to somebody. Some woman wrote a question on Facebook, like to everybody who was on Facebook. And she said, how do you stop your husband from cheating? And I wrote, kill him in his sleep, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah, sounds good to me. They told me I was inciting violence. Well, who was the one who told you? How how, how did that work? Who's the one who... Okay, here's the question. On your account from Facebook. And it it says, your account, you're being suspended for 48 hours for inciting violence. I was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) For God's sake. Okay. What, Mm. What has happened? What has happened, though, since the pandemic? What has happened to comedy? I'm not seeing anything as funny. Is it me, or is it the situation, or what? 
I think it's I think it's a lot to do with um, the way I kind of look at it. If the people on the far right are humorless, and the people on the far left are offended by everything, which means you have nowhere to work. <laughs> everything bothers everybody. If you talk to the right wing, they got to stick up their butt, and you talk to the left wing, oh my god, everything is oh my god, the worst guys falling. Like calm down, they're jokes, really. You know, I. It's not as funny because people are afraid to say anything. Well, you can't say ludicrous. anything. In the current black it's, lives, with black lives, you can't say anything. With the with what they call this woke community, you can't say anything. So what can you make jokes about? Well, you know, I don't know. I, you, know you can be overly woke. I'll tell you right now. I understand there's personal sensitivities. But it's like when when I made the little Facebook joke about the midget, the, the, yeah. the suggestion was, why didn't you say little person? Well, because little person doesn't work rhythmically within the body of the joke. It's not funny. The munchkins weren't little people. They were midgets. You can't say that anymore, apparently. You know, I don't – this – I you know, it's making me – everybody's offended by everything. You know, Joan used to always say – Joan Rivers would say – if I offend you, turn the channel. Don't buy a ticket. It's not that complicated. You're not being held hostage at gunpoint. Don't come to the show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I look back. You but, look at you know George Carlin. It was his birthday yesterday, and yeah. George was brilliant. Brilliant. Could he work today? I don't know. You know, could but where could he work? Where could he work? Where could he work? You can't work on television. You can't work on radio. You can't work on theaters. You can't say anything because everyone is offended all of a sudden. Will that change? Will comedy change? Yes. I think, there's, I think you're going to see um, a, a pushback to all this woke nonsense. Um, you know, and the other thing I always think, I mean, you know, if you're offended by something, I have to be quiet? How is that my job? <laughs> I'm offended. Well, what do you want me to do about it? Go to get, get some counseling. Go to a therapist. What do you want from me? If you're that thin skin, stay in the house and be a shut in. Leave people alone. <laughs> I, Cindy, I, it's going crazy. I know I'm getting Listen, old, but I don't care. <laughs> no, I understand that. I understand. I already got old, so I don't care. But I know you used to write jokes not only for Joan Rivers, but you wrote them for, for Manilow, you wrote them for Mel Brooks, you wrote them for people, even a few people who are still alive. Didn't you always write jokes for everybody? <laughs> yeah. And I saw, you know, not long ago, well, maybe it was on a repeat, Mel Brooks was um, on, I think it was Piers Morgan with Carl Reiner. And he was talking yeah. about how political correctness is killing comedy, and he couldn't get a dime now to make Blazing Saddles. Couldn't get a dime. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, I remember. I remember. And was there a funnier movie? I don't think so. You know, I mean, what? it's like just like lighten up, lighten up everybody. They're jokes. And now, you know, we've lost a lot of comedians that died in the last year. You know, Louis Anderson and Norm MacDonald and... This would be a good time to embrace comedy and embrace the comedians as opposed to shutting them down. You know, okay, I mean, you are now I'm, right. You're writing a book, aren't you? What are you writing? 
all the things we can't talk about. It's uh, the working title <laughs> is um, "Musings of a Sourpuss," and it's it's a bunch of essays because I can't write anything with a through line because you know my brain doesn't work like that. So I only write books you can read on the toilet. That's my. I uh, beg your pardon. What? 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 Say that again. <laughs> Say it slowly so I can understand. What are you talking about? I the, what I write. I write books that are like short essays because I'm not smart enough to develop a plot. And the goal, <laughs> yes. I'm not. The goal is basically just to write things people can read while they're sitting in the toilet. It, well, it, it I requires think... nothing. I mean, you have such quality. I mean, I know you a long time, Larry, and it's really high-class stuff that you're telling me. Telling me, tell, tell me, oh, wait, 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 wait. Tell me about the cockamamie Oscars and the slap. Did you do anything funny about that? Well, my, my first thought was, you know, would he, he slapped Chris Rock. He has slapped The Rock. I don't think so. I don't think so. You know, I, the other thing is he didn't punch him. He slapped him. I mean, who does that? A waitress with a fresh customer who got a little handsy? You're going to hit him, hit him. Knock him on his ass. He gave him a little slap. Look, it's like mean girl stuff. I mean, seriously? I think the other thing that really bothered me is like, if you watched it, it was actually a very soft joke. It was not a hardball joke in any way, shape, or form. You know? And it wasn't an alopecia joke. It was a joke you know. about... I don't know what provoked that. I mean, she, you know, Jay Pinkett Smith shot him a look, and he got up and slapped Chris. And all I know, I think Will Smith is the only star whose stock dropped after winning an Oscar. <laughs> I mean, how do you do that? You win the Academy, and nobody will hire you. Okay, I got to no, ask you now. How do you protect a joke? There are always ways. How do you protect a joke? Comics steal jokes, don't they? All the time, um, you know, and there was a couple of couple of comics who always had reputations for that. But, you know, I was always told you had to have it either published or what I used to do back in the, in the day. I would put I would, I would register all my stuff like I put together like a four page treatment of jokes and just register with the writers. Go, so there's at least some protection for it, even minimally. You know, you, you how can you how can you protect a joke? They can always change it a little bit. You can't protect a joke. You can't make a joke about a small guy if he's tall. So how do you protect it? Well, you know, years ago there was a story about because you know Robin Williams, as great a comedian as he was and as good a guy as he was, had the reputation for borrowing other people's material. And at one point, somebody apparently beat him up in the, at the comedy store, took a shot at him, and said, that's what I charge for my jokes. Now, that, that's, oh. an, that's anecdotal, and, you know, and Robin was always really nice to me, and he was really funny, but he had a reputation for, you know, borrowing or more like a Yeah, sponge. I know, I know, I know. Okay, 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 okay. Here's what I need before I get rid of you. Here's the one thing I would like to give me nice. one smart-ass line about New York. Is there anything you want to say about New York, about which yeah. I will then get cranky? Yeah. New York is the city that never sleeps because there's a Starbucks on every corner. That's okay. It's not great, but it's okay. What the hell? I'm not paying well, you, so what do I care? It's fair. It's fair. It's fair. Right, right now, I'm sick of you. I'm not sick of you. And hang up, and I'll call you if I need you. Right now, I don't need you anymore, okay? I love Fair you. enough. 
You Thanks, too, baby. <laughs> Goodbye. Goodbye, Larry. Goodbye, Cindy. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.